everybody. We're here at Red Rocks Racing Sportsbook. He's Jason. I'm Chucky. This is the Sports Betting Podcast. Bookends powered by STN Sports. And Jay, before we kind of dive into college and pro football this week, there's a lot of other stuff going on. Some good, some not so good. Let's start with the good. And that's the Vegas Golden Knights. Well, I, mean, I would put that in the not so good. <laughs> not so good for our <laughs> side of the counter, but great for you guys. 9-0-1. I mean, best start ever for a defending champ. Um, I was fortunate. I was at the one um, when they happened to lose in overtime to the Blackhawks. Being from Chicago, as we both are, I did have my Tonio jersey on. Still a, you know, a Knights fan, too, but rooting for the Hawks that day. That was actually a terrific outcome for us. But hats off to the Knights. Great start, but really great for you guys. I think the only thing that's really helped us is that most of their games have stayed under, and they haven't covered the puck line, and I think more than half of those games. Yeah, and what's what's really surprising from the Knights' standpoint is 9-0-1, and you look back at half uh, half the games against the Jets, against the Flyers, uh, against Montreal the other night. They're getting outplayed right. in these games. They're getting outshot in these games. The other team actually looks like the better team on the ice, yet the <laughs> Knights continue to find a way uh, to put the biscuit in the back of the net. Um, the shootout goals have been absolutely fantastic for them. But and isn't, Aiden Hill isn't and that Thompson the sign are, of a good team, though? Yeah. Is when you can turn it up, like when you know that, hey, we haven't played our, our best game in any sport. We're getting late in the game. Let's turn it up a notch. And that's what they've done. Yeah, and that's what makes it even you know more scary from where these Knights are and where the potential for them to go. We saw Petrangelo miss a bunch of games. You see Martinez now back on the ice. So they haven't even had the full pieces of the puzzle all playing together, yet they're able to put this incredible start, uh, you know, to start a season after winning a Stanley Cup championship. Right. Just again, really, really good start. Uh, you guys have done well on them so far. So uh, kudos. Uh, you know, it's uh, go Knights, go, I guess, from your side. And our side, it's no Knights, no. But uh, they are playing really well. So uh, congratulations and, and good start to the Knights. Now the, the not so good. And we're going to go to the gridiron, and that's the, the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, get beat on Monday night against the Lions. Really looked like the Lions probably could have put up 40 or 50 points if they really wanted to that night. The week before, they lose to Tyson Bajan, uh, the, uh, the Div- Division Two quarterback for the Bears, which is, like, unbelievable that a Division Two quarterback came in and beat an NFL defense. And, you know, you look at Josh McDaniel. He's the only coach ever in NFL history to be with two different teams, to get fired in the second year of that tenure as head coach for both those teams. And I know you've got some kind of compelling stats of why the Raiders have been so bad for the last yeah, two years. I mean, we, we talk about McDaniel, but again, the Raiders went and completely cleaned house, took McDaniel. We take the GM, we take the offensive coordinator. So as we look at this week's game against the Giants, where they're a, they're a small favorite over the Giants at home this week. Yeah, keep, Will they be at kickoff, you know, though? Keeps kind of scratching your head as watching this Raider team and especially their performance over the last two weeks. But I don't think that this McDaniel um, decision and the GM decision, the offensive coordinator decision, goes back to just the last two weeks or how they've looked oh, this agreed. year. Um, obviously, last year we had a, we had several games. They had a 20 to nothing lead in week three at home against the Arizona Cardinals, a game that they blew in overtime. Um, they went to New Orleans last year and lost 24 to nothing in a game that they never crossed midfield. Um, they lost to, to the Indianapolis Colts in Jeff Saturday's uh, taking over the interim head coach of the Colts, who had never coached it's a high school you know, coach beyond high school, and he goes and beats the Raiders. They they lost to the Los Angeles Rams, who had just acquired Baker Mayfield two days prior to the game, and Baker Mayfield was able to go ahead and beat the Raiders in those games. Not those only games. that, Baker Mayfield actually got the the playbook um, emailed to him, and he read the playbook on the flight, arrived, and was able to 
you know, to, to run that offense against the Raiders and beat them on prime time. You know, so, I mean, those, those losses combined with where they're at this year uh, at, at 9-16 and 16, since McDaniel has taken over the realm, this year they're 31st in total offense. 32nd or last in the league in, in yards per rush and 30th in points per game. And that's just not getting a ton, especially when you talk about this regime took over right. for the Rich Bisaccia, you know, John Gruden era where they were 10 and 7 and they made a playoff appearance and then decided to go this McDaniel way and were hoped to be on an on an upward trajectory acquiring Devontae Adams and they've been nothing but underperformed since that time. Yeah, I think when you look at the offense and I understand the new regime and they say well the Patriots way just takes a little time but when you look at Josh Jacobs. Or, or a guy named Tom Brady because <laughs> the Patriots' way is not succeeding yeah. right now either. Um, you look at Josh Jacobs, who led the league in rushing last year. He has the lowest yards per carry since, I think, 1973 for any defending uh, rushing champion. Uh, not only do you have Devontae Adams, but you pick up Jacoby Myers. You make the trade of Waller, and, and you draft Mayer, who's been really good too. So you've got some young, talented, good skill position players, but they can't generate it. 2021, Hunter Renfro had 103 receptions. Hunter Renfro has 10 catches this year on 16 targets. Uh, 2022, Hunter Renfro <laughs> was an all-pro. <laughs> Guess what he is this year? Relegated to the bench. I, I just don't get it. But you would think he would have been in that uh, in that Wes Welker uh, kind of role, you know, Danny Amendola kind of role with this team. And that's what he was for those first two years with a lot of success with Gruden and Basace. Clearly, obviously, the injuries to Garoppolo and, and him coming back, the underperformance of Devontae Adams having some bad games. Renfro's been nothing. Jacobs has been nothing. Um, that, that's how you get. That's how you get GMs and coaches fired. And hopefully the Raiders will move on from here, and we'll see some success uh, down the line, and, and maybe some better it's, draft picks, and see how they rebuild this. It's unit. going to be a, a rebuilding process, though. There, there's no question at all that they're going to need to kind of look at free agency, the draft. We know that uh, the draft with, with Williams and, and Drake May and McCarthy, you're going to have some, some big-name QBs coming out. Just don't know where they'll be position-wise to grab one of those guys. Before we dive into um, you know the college and pro slate, Jay, uh, the trade deadline in pro football was this week, and there were some big-name guys that were moved, and one of the questions that was kind of asked is, who had the biggest impact? To me, it's only one guy, and that's Chase Young. I mean, when you get a guy with that talent, the number two overall pick, who went healthy, is a disruptor. He's a sack machine. He goes to that San Francisco's 49er defense that has been rather unimpressive the last three weeks. But what a difference maker he can be for only a third-round pick. I think he's more of a rental, but you can tell the Niners are in a win-now mode. And I think that pushes that defense over the top. Yeah, and not to mention the Niners also acquired Randy Gregory, you know, to that as well. So well, a few weeks ago, but yeah, yeah right, they, right. They, they've kind of made those yep. moves. To me, there's there's two of them. Um, I really like what the Eagles did in acquiring safety Kevin Bird from the Titans. Right. Um, part of that, and again, I, I'm looking at the teams that are sitting at the top, talking about teams that are you know going to make the playoffs and trying to make this stretch run to go through the playoffs. And I, and I think that's a big addition on their back end, knowing that they're going to have to go beat. A, a, yeah. a Cowboys or, or you know some other offensive weapon to have Kevin Beard an All Pro go in that secondary, shore up some of that secondary. He was able to already start the game against the the Commanders this past week. I think he had like seven tackles. So I think that was a big up, big pickup for them. I also like um, Rasul Douglas from right. Green Bay yeah. Packers, a cornerback, was traded to the Bills this week. He's we, the other guy that I had marked we, as well. We see yeah. the Bills struggle so far this season, but again, that offense is too powerful, too good um, to hold them down. They're going to find their way in the playoffs. Douglas has been extremely upset with the Packers and the fact that they're. 
they're not winning games. I think he brings a chip on his shoulders to this Bills defense who's lost a, a ton of guys, lost White right. in their secondary. Yeah, Tredavious White's the big loss, Matt Milano at linebacker, and then Ed Oliver's been banged up too. So you really lost about 25% of your, your starting defense, guys that were impact players, and I think Douglas really helps out on that back end. A, a big addition there. Leonard Williams from the Giants makes his way up to Seattle with San Francisco's recent struggles and losing three straight. The Seahawks have found themselves leading the division. I think that's a good add for them. And then a kind of a sleeper one that not a lot of people are talking about, but Ezra Cleveland was an offensive tackle for the Minnesota Vikings, got traded to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jaguars sit at 6-2. They're the team that kind of nobody's talking about on the AFC side of things. But this team is slowly but surely winning games. They shore up their offensive line. That was one of the spots that they maybe had a hole. They go get Cleveland, shore up that hole to protect Lawrence. ETN's been absolutely fantastic. And really, the Jaguars haven't been winning these games too much on offense. They've been doing it with defense. defense. So if they can get that offense going again, maybe there's an opportunity for them to find their way through this AFC. So from from my standpoint, those are the four guys that I really liked um, and the deals that were made for those four teams. On the flip side, one of the questions that was posed is, who didn't get moved that maybe we were surprised didn't? I mean, there's names like Devontae Adams, uh, Burns from the Panthers, Saquon Barkley, uh, Hunter from the Vikings, Derrick Henry, Judy, Sertan, and Sutton, all from the Broncos, Mike Evans, T. Higgins, uh, D-Hop, Hunter Renfro, Jacoby Brissett, and Carl Lawson. For me, a little bit, maybe it's, it's Saquon Barkley, is that I think teams like the Bills were definitely interested. There's a few teams that I, I think he could have kind of changed those teams. I know the Giants said they weren't going to move him. Uh, he came back and signed with them. Uh, this probably is going to be his last year with the Giants. This is where they really could have gotten something. But for me, I think it was Barkley and, of course, Hunter Renfro. Yeah, and I, I'm going to go and I, I don't understand what the Titans are doing with Derrick Henry. Uh, maybe they just weren't getting the offers that they were interested in, but I, I thought for sure Derrick Henry was going to get moved from the Titans and, and find a spot into a, a playoff right. team that really was looking for another guy that could bang the football, especially as we get to, to, to playoff football. Um, that was that was probably the, the biggest one for me. Um, there's a couple other out I there. Just, that, you know, Henry at 29 usually, and he's been phenomenal throughout his entire career, is that you start to see running backs start to do this a little bit, and that's been the case this year. I don't know if it's a product of that they really haven't had a quarterback, although Will Levis played phenomenal in his first game this year, four touchdown passes, really seemed to have a rapport with, with Hop to help that offense a little bit, but he hasn't been the same Derrick Henry. I'm guessing it's a product of that offense not being able to throw. He's facing eight and nine guys in the box, but he has carried the ball more than anyone in the NFL over the last four years. Yeah, and I know Denver's coming off the big win over the Chiefs this week, but Jerry Judy was another name yeah. that was expected to be traded, expected to be shipped out to somewhere to, to find a spot, and, and that Denver holds on to him. So that might have been one of the other surprises. I, of think, a guy that v- doesn't move. I think Steve Smith kind of vetoed that to every team in the league. <laughs> just, just saying. All right, guys, we're going to jump into college football right now. We're going to jump into college slate. Um, before, before we jump into the college slate, just want to do a, a little bit of a, a recap of something that we talked about last week and that we I had my my graphics uh, <laughs> up here and we put the board up and we talked about... Those were phenomenal graphics too. I mean, really, really cool. We talked about the number of outright underdogs uh, of, of a touchdown or more. Call it $2 dogs or more in college football that have been winning this year. And on average, it was about five right. dogs a week of plus 200 or more um, winning. And this past week, and it's kind of maybe see my, uh, <laughs> my orange notes there, but this past week, there were nine. Blow it up, Johnny. Blow it up. There were nine underdogs of two dollars or more that won games outright, and there was another half dozen. You know, talk about a Cal who was an eleven-point underdog loses by one to USC. We saw two twenty-point favorites win by a field goal. So I mean, 
we, we're, we're, we're just yelling at you. We're telling you these dogs are out there. And then this week, nine, nine touchdown underdogs went outright. So again, take a look at this week's sheets. Take a look at the app. Find the underdogs are going to win. Circle them up. You're going to find at least another five dogs two dollars or more they're gonna put a win on the board this week i was gonna put on the dog mask and like howl like a dog but, I, but and it's Jay, not he and told me i couldn't do again, it again we're not immune to college football denver broncos seven point underdog underdogs the kansas city chiefs probably killed more tickets yep. than anything this week there was a lot of winning wagers in the nfl this week the morning slate was absolutely fantastic for our guests and then the afternoon slate where we saw the cincinnati Bengals knock off right. the niners we saw the Broncos knock off the Chiefs outright, and we saw a miracle, miracle back cover, cover by the Cardinals, by against the Cardinals the Ravens, yeah. um, in that game. So the afternoon slate didn't go their Who way. Who says you can't get an onside kick in pro football? But, but again, the underdogs are there. Continue to look at those underdogs. You'll cash more tickets. All right. We're done with underdog for now. We're going to jump into college football. Here we go. Find those underdogs. 25th ranked Kansas State, 7th ranked Texas. Texas 4.5, 49.5. Here's your gaming tidbits for this game. The total has gone under, guys, in five of Kansas State's last six games when playing on the road at Texas, where they're at. Kansas State is 4-1 against the number in their last five games. Texas is 5-0 straight up in their last five games when playing Kansas State. So something kind of has to give there. But looking at this, that, that total of 49.5 looks a little juicy when Kansas State is playing at Texas. Well, Texas has won six straight in this meeting. We have no Quinn Ewers, um, Texas quarterback. We're going to go see Malik Murphy. He was solid last week in the 35-6 win over BYU, threw for 170 yards, two touchdowns to Adonis uh, Mitchell. They were able to run the football. However, he did throw an interception. He did fumble. Kansas State's coming off a 41-0 drubbing against Houston. Their defense has been absolutely exceptional. They haven't allowed a touchdown in nine quarters um, since uh, – that time they're, they're outscoring their opponents 103 to 3. So you talked about something's got to give here. Texas continued to roll. Kansas State defense has been awesome. Could this be a live dog? Kansas State knocks off Texas as a seven point underdog. We talked about it last week with the Oklahoma game is upset alert. This might be the upset alert this week, guys. All right, now number 14, Missouri. Number one, Georgia. Georgia, 15 and a half point favorite. 54 and a half is the total. Interesting kind of tidbits here with Missouri. Missouri 7-1 straight up in their last eight games, and they're 5-1 and one against the number uh, on the road in their last six games. They're getting over two touchdowns here. Yeah, big number for them to try and cover, especially with the fact that Georgia is coming off um, you know, the biggest cocktail party, um, knocking off Florida, impressively knocking right. off Florida um, last week, 41-22. to 22. But I don't think they're going to. Missouri is going to catch Georgia sleeping this week because Georgia last year won this game 26 to 22 and were down 10 points right. in the fourth quarter and had to come back to win that game. No uh, Brock Bowers here in this game. Obviously, the tight end for Georgia that's been out. Um, Carson Beck, the Georgia quarterback, is getting, be- getting better and better each and every week. Threw for f- 315 yards last week, two touchdown passes. And I'm telling you, the guy to look out for this week, Dominic Lovett, wide receiver for Georgia, probably their go-to guy with Bowers being out. You know where he's from? He transferred from Missouri. So I think that he's going to want to put up a big game, some big numbers for them. 
Brady Cook is going to try and keep Missouri in this game, but Missouri is going to have to play the best offensive game they played all year, and they're going to have to not commit turnovers if they want to stay in this game because I think this is a game that Georgia, they, they see those college football rankings coming out, and this is the time of year where the Georgia Bulldogs start to play their best football, and they're not going to be sleeping on Missouri because of what Missouri did to them last year. Missouri has been red hot, though, again, straight up and against the number over their last six or seven games. So keep an eye on this one to see if the number goes up or down. Uh, now for us with West Coast bias, number five, Washington, and they're still in the top 25, and that's number 24, UFC, USC. Washington, a three-point favorite on the road, 76 and a half the total here. Here's a couple of interesting tidbits here. Washington is 5-0 straight up in their last five games. They're also 5-0 straight up in their last five road games. Total has gone over in five of Southern Cal's last five games. The total has gone under, however, in five of Southern Cal's last five games when playing Washington. We know both these teams can light it up. You've got two quarterbacks that are in the Heisman discussion. It's a high total on the board. What do you think is going to happen here? Um, I'm... These teams don't play each other a lot. Strangely enough, both right. being in the Pac-12, um, this is their first uh, meeting since 2019. Um, obviously, you talk about Penix and Caleb Williams, and you expect the scoreboard to be absolutely lit up. Um, but for some reason, these teams have kind of slowed down. Both of those guys were Heisman Trophy favorites, uh, have been there, but they just haven't performed in the last several weeks. For USC, it's been more on the defensive side of the football. Really struggled in their loss to Notre Dame, struggled in their loss to USC, and then Almost were able to lost squeak last week. by right. with the 50 to 49 win over Cal this past week. So from a defensive standpoint, USC is going to have to find something because Washington does come in with right. that high-powered offense. But Washington's been squeaking through their games lately as well with nine-point win last week against Stanford. But that was their biggest win in the last four weeks with the close win over Oregon. They had a close win over Arizona. They had a close win against Arizona State. So they haven't been at that impressive. So I think with the fact, though, that we're talking about these two teams and the national don't, television. Don't think, I, mean, Bo, I mean, if you're Caleb Williams a little bit, maybe a little bit of a chip on your shoulder here because they've struggled of late. Yeah. He's kind of fallen out of the discussion as the, the favorite for the Heisman Trophy. Michael Penix is coming into your house, into the Coliseum to play. I, I'm I, anxious I, to see how Caleb I, Williams You, you talk plays about here. a chip on the shoulder at USC. They have two losses. Um, you know, things have fallen, kind of fallen apart for them. The, the tough losses, the, the, the squeak by of Cal last week. But who, you want who's got a chip on their shoulder? It's this Washington Husky team. And they've got a chip on their shoulder for one reason. Go look at the college football rankings as they sit undefeated, yet they sit in the number five spot outside of those they, top they four. They won't be there at the end if they stay undefeated. They, 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 they're outside that top four, sitting in that five hole. Um, they've got to be feeling disrespected at this point in time by the committee to be undefeated, yet ranked behind those other four undefeateds. And again, go back a game. I think that that's why Georgia a little bit sitting in the two spot in those rankings with Ohio State getting the number one ranking. Georgia might be feeling that same uh, little bit of disrespect. All right. Uh, last game we're going to touch on in college football, which we think it's a really good college football slate this week. Number 13, LSU. Number 8, Alabama. Bama's the three-point favorite. Total 61. Here's a couple of interesting gaming trends as well. Total has gone over in five of LSU's last five games. Total has gone over in LSU's last five games on the road at Alabama. 
and Alabama's 23-2 straight up in their last 25 home games. So they're a small favorite, they're at home, but there's been a lot of scoring when these two teams have met in Alabama over the last five seasons. Yeah, and despite the fact that Alabama sits in kind of the eighth spot in the college football rankings, they're nowhere close to being out of this thing. Oh, no. This is, right. a, this is a monster game for them against LSU. LSU's obviously got the two losses, uh, but Jaden Daniels has been absolutely fantastic. He's worked his way up back up to that Heisman right. Trophy, um, you know, kind of that's the top favorites. Um, they've been putting an electric amount of points up, but they're somewhat like this USC team in that their defense um, tends to fade in the big moments and they give up lots of points. But Alabama hasn't been a team that can go and absolutely put up the bottom, the monster numbers. They've done it through their running game. They've done it with a solid defense. But again, I think we talk about Alabama, number eight in the country in those college football rankings. A big win here against LSU um, could put them back up in that title comp- uh, conversation. Every time we talk about Alabama, all I can think about is Keith Jackson and Woe Nelly. But uh, <laughs> real quickly, though, um, last man standing, college football, only 18 of you guys left. So Congratulations. That's phenomenal. I mean, it's really getting dwindled every single week. Uh, usually we see it around this time. Um, by, by Thanksgiving, usually it's, it's, it's really, you know, a couple guys left. So 18 of you guys left. Tremendous job. Keep up the good work. And uh, we'll see how I the bet, season finishes. I bet they're taking the dogs. I wonder why. Anyway, guys, we'll be right back, and we're going to jump into pro football. We'll see you in a second on the Sports Betting Podcast. Bookends. Guess what? It's football season, baby. And you know what that means. It's time to bet your buns off. And when it comes to sports betting, you better bet with the STN Sports app. I'm talking football. All the fights. Men's and women's basketball. Men's and women's soccer ball. We've got it all. And with our 14 convenient sign-up locations around town, it's no wonder they call me the queen of convenience. Because when I bet with STN, I feel like royalty. So what in the heck are you waiting for? Download the STN Sports app today and trust the local favorite. Hey, everybody. We're back at Red Rocks Racing Sportsbook for the Sports Betting Podcast bookends, as usual, powered by STN Sports. And this is our pro football segment now. First day, we're going to look at the Thursday night game, Tennessee Titans, Pittsburgh Steelers. I think when you look at Tennessee, I mean, you have to be impressed with the way that Will Levis played in his pro football debut. Four touchdown passes, looked really comfortable in the pocket, uh, got hop involved with three of those touchdown passes. They're on the road on prime time playing against the Pittsburgh Steelers. A little bit different environment here, though, against the Steelers on a short week against the Mike Tomlin coach team. Well, it's amazing that the Steelers sitting 4-3, and three, available in division with the offense that they have, um, averaging 16.1 you know, yards a game, right. which uh, normally isn't going to get it done in the, in, in the National Football League. But their defense has been absolutely amazing. Um, they seem to commit key turnovers. They seem to get... To turnovers that turn into points immediately as the defensive guys are scoring. Um, this is obviously a monster start for them. There's still a question mark as to whether Kenny Pickett is going to be available. He said he's going to be available. Right, yep. He's going to play. Um, if not, they'll go to Trubisky, but they've got to find something well, in real that quick, passing we, game. Not a big drop-off. If it's Trubisky, I don't, a Trubisky, I don't think there's any change in the line. Well, not necessarily from a quarterback standpoint, but they've got to find something on on from the offensive side of things. I mean, Deontay Johnson's done nothing. Warren's done nothing. Uh, Najee Harris has been, been hurt. Yeah, they, um, they, Pickens they, has had some moments, they, but they've got some good young skill position players. really struggle from an offensive standpoint, and they got to be their, their defense has got to put them in good positions to be able to score. And you talked about Will Levis. You know, maybe the Titans have found something here. Um, obviously, Tannehill hadn't moved the, moved the team right. th- th- down the field with that team. 
the one thing that we noticed about Levis was that he wasn't afraid to throw the deep ball as, as Hopkins caught four passes. Three of those went for touchdowns, and they went for long touchdowns. So if he's going to stretch that defense and you're going to have to try and cover Hopkins on those deep routes, now the Tennessee Titans can do what they want to do and get that play-action pass right. and get it, look the ball to Henry, and when you come up and you have to attack Derrick Henry, now he can go over the top, and that's what the Titans want to do best. So if Levis gives them the opportunity to do that, the Titans can maybe find their way back into this thing. But again, they've been a team that we've seen already trading pieces of the puzzle, uh, but they're not out of it in, right. the, in the division. Uh, but the Jaguars sitting at 6-2 and two are really uh, kind of leapfrogging that division and making it look like they could run away with it. And I think in the AFC North, you commented on the Steelers being 4-3. and three. That whole division is above 500, even though Cleveland has had some struggles and, and the injury to Watson since he started off slow. Um, but that entire division, outside Baltimore 6-2, and two, other three teams are all 4-3, and three, so they've been really good. Here's my betting trend for this game, guys, and it is all about the under. The total has gone under in five of Tennessee's last five road games. This game's on the road. The total has gone under in nine of Tennessee's last 11 games. The total has gone under in five of Pittsburgh's last five games. So these two teams now are on a stretch where each of them in their last five games has gone under. Both offenses struggle a bit. So that means on Thursday night you should take the over. Take the over. It'll, it'll go sailing over. I knew he was going to say that. I set myself up. I knew it. All right. Sunday football now. I, there are some games that aren't so good, but this has three of the biggest marquee games of the year on Sunday, and it all starts early in Germany at 6.30 our time. So don't forget, get on the app, get into the day before. you got that early football game. AFC maybe title preview. Miami Dolphins, Kansas City Chiefs in Germany. It's going to be a great game. I mean, these two offenses, Tyreek Hill going up against his Chiefs team. What kind of game will he have? Look for all the props on this one. Number has has come down a little bit, though. It was kind of in that two, two and a half range. We've started to see this number come down. So definitely some Dolphin love from you guys so far. Although in their two toughest games of the year against the Bills and Eagles, they did not play well this year. Yeah, and I don't want to go back to the Taylor Swift, but I don't know if she's (laughs) going to be in Germany or not in Germany, but it doesn't look like the Chiefs. I'm going to say nine. She's... uh, (laughs) The Chiefs have not had too much success when she hasn't been in the building. We saw them struggle on a Monday night in Minnesota. They were able to get the win there, 27-20, to 20, um, but the Vikings were, were, were live and looked good in that game. And then we see them go on the, on the road last week in obviously one of the more shocking upsets of the week of the whole year and go and lose to a Bronco team, which I think they had 15 or 16 straight wins against. Um, it was expected to be potentially a snow game and some weather in the game. I'm going to trivia question here. So... Every team in the league last year, last week, <laughs> scored an offensive touchdown, except one. Who was that team? Not the team that you expect, would expect, as the Chiefs were the only team in the National Football League that did not score a touchdown last week. So an absolute shock, and maybe that's why you're seeing this number come down, is that the Miami Dolphins have been absolutely fantastic. We know that they can score points. Um, maybe they can have some luck over in Germany, but the, 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 the Chiefs have not been the Kansas City Chiefs that we right. have known to... They win to, with defense. Every week... It's, it's um, Patrick Mahomes seems to pull out these miracles and put up big numbers. And this year, that just hasn't been the Kansas City Chiefs that we get to see every week. And now, there were some rumors that Patrick Mahomes was under the weather last week, played the game with the flu, and maybe that's why they underperformed in Denver. But that Denver defense really found something. We're able to control the pack, uh, the Chiefs. I keep saying Packers for some reason. But they were able to control the Chiefs um, and not let the Chiefs get the ball down the field. They were able to contain Travis Kelsey. They were able to contain the running game. So the Dolphins, while the Dolphins 
defense is not where they've excelled. They're yeah. kind of a bend but don't break defense. But on the offensive side of the football, the weapons between the Mostert, Waddle, Hill, and we saw it last week, all of those guys scoring, all of those guys contributing. If Tua can stay on his feet and get the balls to those guys, especially with Waddle being back in the offense, the Dolphins are a very, very dangerous team. It's going to be fun to watch because no team probably knows Tariq Hill's tendencies more than the Chiefs, but you know that he's going to want to go out and just have a phenomenal game. Just really show them that, hey, I am the number one receiver in football. You traded me. Your offense was more dynamic. I know you've won a Super Bowl since that trade, but you're really going to miss me. Here's a couple of betting trends for this game, and they're really favorable for both teams. Miami 9-2 and against the number in their last 11 games. Miami getting points here, although a small number. 6-2 and straight up in their last eight games. Kansas City 10-1 and straight up in their last 11 games. Kansas City is 14-2 and straight up in their last 16 games, getting a very small or laying a very small number here. Yeah, and you talked about, you know, the game of the week, and this week's got a couple really, oh, really monster premium games. matchups that are absolutely fantastic, and then it's got a couple of clunkers. But this one is definitely a, a circle on the calendar, and make sure that either Saturday night you get your bets in or you're up bright and early on Sunday morning. Um, the app opens at 6 o'clock. All of our counters will be open at 6 o'clock. Um, so don't miss your opportunity to, to bet this game. It's, it's a 6.30 start, Dolphins and Chiefs. Yeah, early start, but what a phenomenal game to watch to, to kind of kick off the day. Uh, as we move, uh, move on Sunday, um, Atlanta and Minnesota. And I think you look at this game, and the first question is, is that what's going to happen now with Minnesota without Kirk Cousins? You might not love Kirk Cousins, but he has really played well over the last three or four weeks. Excuse me. Minnesota's now 4-4. Four and four. They were doing this without Justin Jefferson. What does it mean not having him now? And unfortunately, they don't have a lot behind him, although they traded for Josh Dobbs. Oh, I, I, it's a massive uh, change. Um, the, 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 the Vikings were really based on uh, Cousins' ability to play, um, his ability to get the ball out quickly and run that offense. Um, and now the change to Jaron Hall, who's essentially an, an unproven rookie, a fifth-round rookie. And I don't. they acquired Dobbs this week from right. the Cardinals, um, and I don't know how much we're going to see of him. Maybe he gets a sprinkling of a of a package for him to be able to play. But this is a this is a major drop off for the Vikings to not have him. Let alone, as you said, without Justin Jefferson and to be be playing with a a, a, a little bit of less of a package with and Addison. They finally got their Hawkinson. first rushing touchdown yeah. last week. Well, and Cam Akers and it was Cam Akers. We, we talked right. about the trade deadline and bigger acquisitions. That was one that we didn't bring up. Um, but Cam Akers um, really took the job away from Alexander Matson, um, and Akers has been really, really good. But this puts them in a tough situation. But there's a, a kind of a tough situation on the other side is Atlanta, who's also sitting 4-4, four and four, um, leading the division. They're going to make a change from Desmond Ritter um, to Tyler Henneke, who they right. got from the Commanders early in the season. So this game's got all kinds of quarterback question marks, and the Atlanta Falcons were still questioning kind of what they're doing on the offensive side of the football, which, you right. know, you draft B. John Robinson, you're not using him. I know everyone that's playing fantasy is, continues to get frustrated with the Falcons as we continue to see Tyler Algier sprinkled in there, Patterson sprinkled in there. They also have Drake London, their number one receiver, who's a question mark for this game. So a lot of question marks on the Atlanta side, um, even more question marks on the Minnesota side with the quarterback. And so you talk about two teams that have been playing very good. Um, you know, question maybe is this a game that you could look to bet under with knowing that these offenses are going to have to look to run the football and not make mistakes. With that under comment, I'm going to give you kind of the betting trends again for this week, for this game, and it all screams under. The total has gone under in five of Minnesota's last five games, so five straight. The total has gone under in eight of Minnesota's last nine games when playing on the road against Atlanta. 
The total has gone under in Atlanta, in eight of Atlanta's last nine games when playing Minnesota. And Atlanta has gone under in five straight games. So we kind of touched on it last week where unders now are hitting at a clip of around 63%. There just hasn't been that same scoring with all the, the rule changes. But these last two games we talked about, a lot of trends toward the under. And this one really screams under. So as Jay said earlier, probably bet the over. Well, you know, and, and Atlanta did struggle with the deep ball last week. We were able to see Levis and Hopkins throw those deep balls. So maybe that's one of the things that Jaron Hall and Jordan Addison can look for is to try and take those deep shots and stretch that Atlanta secondary to where maybe they can they, they can run the ball or get acres out of the backfield. But I do expect them. That's one thing that rookie quarterbacks can right. do is drop back that five-step drive drop or that seven step drop and just chuck it and, and hope one of their guys come down with it. Don't you think a lot of the unders this year though it's really a product of um, the quarterbacks? I know you've talked about the offensive line play but you look at how many quarterbacks that we think are probably number twos that are starting and how many young quarterbacks are starting on a weekly basis now. Yeah I mean we, we've talked about it at length with the, the quarterback driven league and the offenses that have success it's built through the offensive line right. um, and, and, and it's the young kids that are coming out and, and even the quality quarterbacks the guys that have done it for years if you don't have an offensive line that can protect you it's tough to win and we go back now the Bengals have kind of shored things up right. they've won three straight but their struggles in their first four games offensive line driven. Losses, right. they, they could not protect Joe Burrow and we know that Burrow when he gets the ball to Chase when he gets the ball to Higgins when he gets the ball to Boyd they're a dynamic team but if he can't be protected the Bengals can't win and that's what we're seeing and I think that's what we're seeing lead wide when you don't have a quarterback that can take those drops and be protected it's going to be tough to score points all right so here's another game now AFC against NFC and it's two first place teams that's the Baltimore Ravens against the Seattle Seahawks. It's the Seahawks that are in first place in the AFC West, not the 49ers after losing three straight. And that was one of the questions that was sent in to us is, are the Ravens for real? Are they the best team in the AFC? I think they're really good and quietly, they're six and two, but I'm not sold on them being the best team yet. They still seem to play to the level of their opponent. They're a little erratic at times. Um, so I'm not completely sold yet, but over the last month, they've really started to kind of straighten things out. Lamar doesn't look like the same Lamar to me yet, but he needs some of these receivers to kind of develop a little bit. Mark Andrews finally had a touchdown pass last week, but very quietly, they're, they're one of the two or three best teams in the AFC. Yeah, and Andrews, he had two touchdowns the week before and a touchdown last week, so obviously Lamar and him have that connection, but it's it's the lack of the connection to, to Beckham or Flowers or Bateman right. and getting anybody else involved in that passing game. So when you think about the back half of the season here or as they go into the playoffs, if somebody's able to take Mark Andrews out of that mix and you can focus on Lamar Jackson trying to run the football, somebody's going to be able to figure that out, and it's going to be tough for them to make a playoff run without these receivers getting into it. That being said, they're 6-2. and two. They look absolutely fantastic. We were able to get a backdoor cover out of the Cardinals on one of the best onside kicks you know I, I've seen in, in quite some time. Um, but this is a, a Seahawk team that just seems to be finding their way and finding ways with JSN, different guys. JSN's getting yeah, more involved. We, we, we talked it? about Kenneth Walker uh, being able to run the football. Zach Charbonnet gets sprinkled in. You talk about Lockett um, and, and, and Bobo and, and Smith Najigma getting mixed in. Right. When these guys are able to play complementary pieces and they're not turning the football over, Seattle's going to be able to stay in games. Right. They have a solid defense. 
the, the Browns were able to come back a little bit on them last week. But this is a team that's built to win, and there's no surprise that they're leading this division with the Niners falling apart. And this could be a live dog, as they do have the ability to run the football and do all the things that could give Baltimore some issues. And, and really, when you think about it, they were the first team to go out and make a trade at the deadline when they picked up Leonard Williams the day before. That's really going to help them as well. They give up a second and a fifth for Leonard Williams, but that's kind of maybe their Achilles heel a little bit. It's been on defense. I know I've said this before, but I prefer a good cab over a Charbonnet. Well, but, but, you know, but it's, again, uh, one of their reasons is in the defensive secondary, right. which Baltimore hasn't shown the ability to exploit that yet. We haven't seen the Flowers or, or Beckham, and I, and I say that not able to exploit. They've had success pushing the ball down the field, but it's in getting pass interference calls. We don't see Odell Beckham coming down with those big catches, but we do see him drawing some key yep. pass interference yep. calls. So if they're able to do that, it's a way of moving the football. But I do think Seattle has found something on offense, and they've got weapons galore that they can kind of get the football out to. So we've talked about two really good games. That's the early game in Germany between Kansas City and Miami. I think this game very quietly is a really good game too. But the next two games to me are just phenomenal games on Sunday and then Sunday night. And this is an NFC East battle between the Cowboys and Eagles. We know the the history of these two teams. Um, Over the last couple of weeks, the Cowboys have played a little bit better. They really beat up the Rams last week. And that's kind of one of the, the narrative now. Are the Cowboys back? Are they a team to be reckoned with? And for me, it's still a little bit the unpredictability. The fact that they were beaten by the Cardinals, um, that they just were crushed when they played the 49ers, and it's a Niners team that has really struggled of late. And I really thought that they would make a deal at the trade deadline. Um, You know, losing digs on the back end, uh, not having that spot, I really thought they'd go out and get a DB to help. Yet they've given up only 120 points this year. They're the most stingiest defense in the league and they're playing this Eagle team that offensively with A.J. Brown and, and Smith and a host of running backs with Jalen Hurts and Goddard is really clicking on all cylinders. Eagles are a very small field goal favorite here, Jay. Yeah, and, and the Eagles struggled last week at the Commanders. Strangely enough, the Commanders, for some reason, uh, have the have the Eagles number. Um, the Eagles were able to go into Philadelphia with a chance to actually go for a two-point conversion late in the game to win a game, win in overtime, and of course the Eagles won that game in overtime and then, again, gave them struggles this past week. Um, A.J. Brown has been absolutely Beast. unbelievable. Um, if we talk about uh, an MVP candidate from a ride receiver position, this has got to be the guy. I think he's six games in a row now, over 125 right. yards um, receiving, which is absolutely incredible on this team where they have all the weapons, they want to run the football, sprinkle in some Devonta Smith, sprinkle in some Goddard. Um, right. This is why they're the NFC favorite. This is why they're sitting with only that one loss. Um, but Dallas is a team that you know can beat them. Um, if, if they can come and play the game like they did last week, they controlled Cooper Cup, um, they controlled Puka Nakua, the defense has the ability to stand up, make big plays. If Dak Prescott doesn't turn the ball over, Tony Pollard is able to have those big runs. Um, that's why you see the, kind of the Eagles a, a, a kind of a short of a field goal. You know, they're they're a touchdown favorite, right. but it's kind of leaning or a field goal favorite, yeah, favorite yeah. kind of leaning more to the two and a half. And we've we've seen some cowboy money here, but again, that's why we talked about you know there's going to be some great games this week and. Believe me, this Dallas Cowboy team wants to make a statement um, in this game, wants to be able to make the statement that they're there to play in this NFC and uh, to be able to go to Philadelphia. Um, no better time to make that statement. I mean, we won't be in the locker room, so we can't see the Bolton board in the Philadelphia Eagle locker room, but I'm guessing that statement from three weeks ago from a certain owner of the Dallas Cowboys that said in the NFC the Super Bowl goes through San Francisco is going to be pinned on there pretty big, I would think. 
couple of interesting betting trends here. Uh, these two teams, the last five times when Dallas and Philly have played each other, we've been screaming about the under. Last five times when these two play, it's all gone over. Dallas 4-1 and one against the number in their last five games when playing Philadelphia. So, as Jay mentioned, a couple of trends there that kind of favor uh, the Cowboys getting points Yeah, and here. one of the things the Eagles have been doing is turning, turning the ball over. Um, we saw several turnovers in the red zone. That's why the commanders were able to stay in that game last week. Um, uncharacteristic fumbles that are coming from Hurts, coming from their wide receivers. So if Dallas is going to stay in this game, I think it's going to have to be on the defensive side of the push football with a couple of those punch-outs or a couple of big turnovers because Philadelphia, you know, we, we do know that they're going to move the ball up and down the field. So Sunday night football now, another game that we could kind of make a case in the AFC could be an AFC title preview, and that's the Bills at the Bengals. Bengals a small favorite here. All this number has started to trickle down a bit. Uh, Joe Burrow seems to be getting healthy. I think he had 43 yards rushing against the 49ers. That was really impressive over the last several weeks, the last several games, excluding their bye. Eight touchdowns, only two interceptions. Cincinnati back-to-back year starts 0-2. Seem to be getting right at the right time right now against the Bills team that we all think is really good. They still seem to be turn the ball over at the most inopportune times. Um, they did go out and, and help on that defense, getting Douglas. I think it's a great game on Sunday Night Football. Again, Bengals are a very small favorite. Yeah, and this was the game we all wanted to see last year, Week 17, um, Bills at Bengals. And right. unfortunately, DeMar Hamlin had the had the injury that essentially canceled that game. Um, they weren't able to play it. And Cincinnati, early in that game, looked absolutely fantastic. Right. They were throwing the ball all over, all over the Bills. This, the Bengals looked like they were going to be a, a, a winner on that, on that game. Um, you, you talked about the struggles of both these two teams and can they get themselves back to the elite of the AFC. And I, I don't even think that that's even part of the conversation. I think these two they teams are, I think, are the agreed. elite of the AFC. They've come out really, really slow. I think that they're going to find their way. I think we'll find both of these two teams making their way um, into the playoffs um, with, with some late-season success. Uh, but this game's one that's got been circled for me for quite some time because uh, I do think Cincinnati kind of had their number, and we'll see if, if, the, if the Buffalo can kind of match what they saw early last year. And I think we'll see if uh, DeMar Hamlin, maybe there's a spotlight on, on him early in the game. But the Bills have struggled, but, but I, again, I don't think this team continues their struggles. They will find a way uh, to get the football out. We've talked about the success, early success of Knox being out, of Dalton Kincaid right. having some success right. there. Um, but they need to get the running game going. They've got to get James Cook a little bit more involved. They did in this sign offense. Leonard Fournette as well. Yeah, the, don't know what kind of game shape he's in or, or how quick he'll make an impact. But uh, he's a guy that we expected would get signed at some point, so maybe he helps that Bills running and, and, game a bit. They got to get the running game going because the, the the heel, the Achilles heel for the Bills these last several losses has been the Josh Allen turnovers um, and and not being able to throw the football where he needs to and and kind of leaving the other team in the game with a I mean, chance to win it. You talk about the AFC, Jay, and you said are these two teams elite? But we, you know, you've got Kansas City and Miami playing. Uh, we touched on Jacksonville, we touched on Baltimore, and now you have Buffalo and Cincinnati playing. These are all playoff teams we expect to be there and are all really really good teams here's some quick betting trends for for these two as well the total has gone under in nine of buffalo's last 11 games on the road uh, the total has gone under in four of buffalo's last five games when playing cincinnati but the bengals are four and one against the number in their last five when playing the bills yeah and outside of this game one of the things to also look at this week we 
kind of sit here in the Las Vegas 70 degree weather um, all the time and we forget about as we turn the calendar to November um, that there's weather all over the country. I know there were in Minnesota and Chicago, they had snow yesterday. Right. Um, and as you look at the NFL slate, and this even goes back to your college slate, take a close look at the weather because um, things are going to start to get chilly back east and in the Midwest. Um, potential for a lot of rain or there's several rain games um, within the schedule this week on the NFL as we sit here midweek on um, their projecting uh, rain in several of the games this week. So again, Pay attention to the weather um, as you look through your college and pro football slates. All right, we're going to finish it off with Monday Night Football. Chargers at the Jets. It's hard to believe the Jets are above 500. I mean, they've really, you know, they found a way to win against the Giants. They just seem to find a way to win late. Chargers beat up the Bears last week on Sunday Night Football, but they still have a lot of issues. It just seems like there's always something that hurts the Chargers. They're a small three-point favorite in this game. Really an important game to both teams because we touched on six teams in the AFC that are really good. There's one playoff spot left. And if the Chargers hope to be that team, they really need to kind of turn it around the second half of the season. The Jets keep, keep or Jets are keeping their fingers crossed. Everybody's saying the right things. They didn't go out and get a quarterback because just maybe a certain quarterback might be back later in the season. Well, they, they need him back. We, we talked about Zach Wilson's ups and downs, and there's more downs than there's than there's ups. They really should have lost last week right. um, to the Giants. Uh, you know, the, the missed kick by Gano. The going down the field and able to get the snap and get the, 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 the spike of the ball to be able to get their field goal off and then obviously up to win in the overtime. That was kind of a minor miracle for the Jets, but they, they just continue to struggle on offense. Now, that being said, as much as the Chargers beat the crap out of the Bears on Monday, uh, Sunday night, um, the Bears did move the ball up and right. down the field. The Chargers jumped out to a really early lead that kind of put the Bears um, up against it, and, and the Bears crossed midfield several times and kept electing to not go for field goals, um, making that game kind of more of a blowout than what it what it should have been. Um, so their defense is not all that good. They're able to put pressure on the quarterback, which is probably the worst thing that the Jets would like to see right. is that is that Mac and that <laughs> and that Bosa defense are able to get pressure on the Jets and that spells doom for the Jets. But if they're able to throw some screen passes, Brees Hall, when he has the ball in his hands, seems to be absolutely electric, um, whether it's on screen passes or long runs. Right. He could be a problem for the Chargers. And if Zach Wilson can find a way to get the ball to Garrett Wilson, um, you know, he's another dynamic player. Chargers D is still ranked in the bottom third of the and league. And the Jets defense is absolutely fantastic. Right. Um, it's just a matter of how long can they go before the Chargers find that little hole. The Chargers have so many weapons with Allen and Eckler and, and now introducing um, – uh, the the young man that they got from TCU Johnson. Oh Johnson, yeah, you know, right. Getting yeah. him more involved in the offense. They just have. Yeah, he had so, his best game last so week. So many the different Bears. guys that they can that they can get the ball to, and that forces the defense to kind of expand. Um, you know, maybe the Jets, like you talked about, have that Staley thing going for him, and that he seems to make questionable decisions at questionable times, and maybe he puts his team in another spot where the Jets can go steal this game. Well. We talked about you know a few games that really have a potential maybe to go over. The Cowboys-Eagles game, maybe the Bills-Bengals game. This one, if you look at trends again, it just screams under, especially with the Jets' defense. Total has gone under in five of the Chargers' last five games, five straight. Uh, the Chargers are 4-1 are and straight up in their last five games when playing the Jets. But here's the, the under stats that really, to me, stand out. The total has gone under in five of the Jets' last six home games. They're at home. The total has gone under in nine of the last Jets' 12 home games. So even before this, going back to last year, they just don't generate a lot. 
when they're playing at home. Yeah, and you talk about the, all these games that we're talking about unders in, and I, most of you have probably noticed but on the app, we, we introduced a new prop early this year that we put the Sunday home teams versus the Sunday road teams, and we give you a, right. a, a grand salami on it. So um, it's essentially take after the Thursday night game goes off, we put up the Sunday home teams versus the Sunday road teams and a salami where you can bet the over-under total amount of points scored on all of Sunday's games or the under all the points in Sunday's games, and you can add you know the home or road team plus or minus the points. So you'll find that at the very top of the pro football menu. Um, surprisingly, we get a lot of wagers to it. A lot of you are really uh, interested in playing that, um, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's a lot of math where we have to go right. and add up all these games and ch- double we check. We also added check first ourselves. half team totals. Yep, first half team total. So again, we talk about all these props and the menu continuing to expand um, just each and every week, whether it's pro football, college football, hockey, basketball. Check out the app. The props are just prevalent throughout everything that we're offering, and it, it's no difference in, in this pro football where, again, the, the guys are continuing to put the touchdowns up, receiving yards, passing yards, rushing yards. We actually, are, if you're looking forward to this year's big game, this year's Super Bowl, there's already props up on the app for this year's Super Bowl in Las Vegas. NFC is a very Next. small favorite right now, <laughs> but that's up as well. Um, as Jay mentioned, you know, we're always looking to kind of add stuff, and a lot of times it's what guests request. They, hey, can you guys add this to your wagering menu? We'll look at it, and we'll put something up like we did for the, the team first halves. Um, really, we're thinking about now something kind of cool, maybe with Tyreek Hill against A.J. Brown. Both are kind of on a record pace. They play in different conferences. Could be on a collision course, but both those guys have been electric. Um, really quick before we end the, the show, guys, last man standing pro football. 33 contestants left, so terrific job again. It's really dwindled down each week, but 33 of you guys left. Awesome job. Breeders' Cup weekend, a monster horse racing weekend, both Friday and Saturday, all those Breeders' Cup championship races. Get on the app. It's uh, it's still You won't be able to play horse racing on the app unless you have the horse racing side of things, so get in Friday and Saturday. Sign up for that side of the app so you can play the races or enjoy the races in any one of our great books. We also have a $10,000 Twin Q on Saturday, so you can turn 2 bucks into 10000 by picking the winners of two races on Saturday. Yep, a lot of cool stuff going on, guys. Love when you guys come out. We know it's going to be busy this weekend, as Jay mentioned, with Breeders' Cup. We've got kiosks all over the room, too. You can get in get in and out really quick and make your bet or check out STN Sports. So for Jason, I'm Chucky. The Sports Betting Podcast bookends, again, powered by STN Sports. Good luck this week, and we'll see you guys next weekend on Bookends.